Welcome to another episode to Let's Go Viral, a quarantine happy hour. And today I'm super excited to have as a guest an amazing, super talented and creative artist, Goldsmith, Nancy Modica. Nancy, how are you doing today? Good afternoon, Fabiola. I'm doing well. Yeah. I'm sitting in my house, abiding by the rules in Midtown Manhattan. Nancy was born raised in Long Island, but I just found out something really interesting um, about her father. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Sure. My father was born in the Rockaways in 1929. He was a musician at a young age. He started playing trumpet. And in the 1950s, he went on to play with the big bands. And later on in his career, he went on to be the agents for Dizzy Gillespie, Miles Davis, Sarah Vaughan, Dave Brubeck. Oh my goodness. So they are, the artistic vein come from all sides in your family. Yes, there's a lot of right brain people in our family. Nancy, tell us a little bit about the beginning of your career in the jewelry making. Um, in high school, I had an art teacher who was very progressive, and he took the interests of his students very seriously. He saw that I had an interest in metal making and constructing things. So he applied for a grant for our public high school in Port Washington, and we received a grant in order to have a metals department in the art department in our school. That's amazing. How then you, even though you were going to high school, you start taking classes at Parson. Yes. When I was in high school, because my teacher, my dear teacher, Harold Gard, he told me, you know, when you're not in school and you have extra time since you don't have a job yet, why don't you take advantage of taking evening classes? So I would commute into the city once a week, sometimes twice a week, and I was gaining knowledge and I was excelling at a pretty fast pace. Great. And tell me something. How did all that amazing relationship with one of your mentors um, started? That is uh, B.C. Jameson? Yes, there are two of them. One of them stands out more than another because this one is still alive and with us. Uh, Elizabeth Jameson, a.k.a. Bessie Jameson. She was one of the founding mothers along with Robert Kulik. And they had a school on the Upper West Side. And my high school art teacher from Port Washington used to summer with them in Long Beach Island, New Jersey. He recommended that I go study with these two because he knew they had something really special to offer. And as uh, I, I'm just listening to one of the sirens and, you know, as you all know, we are going alive uh, from our homes in this time of stress and um, the coronavirus quarantine. So you can hear the sirens in the city that I think you probably hear more often than we do here in Brooklyn. Brooklyn is pretty quiet, but I heard that there is actually a lot of activity um, in the hospitals and ambulance going on all day. Is that true? Do you hear that from your That home? is true, yes. Um, there's a big silence in the streets. You only see the caregivers going to and from the hospitals, commuting. There are some hotels in Midtown that they have put aside for care workers so they don't have to go home to their families at night. 
And we live very close to where the U.S. Comfort has docked. So when you hear the sirens, it's people that are going admitted to the hospitals. And I guess from there, they're taken over to the U.S. Comfort. That is the big ship that, you know, um, anchor here in New York to to yes. help. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we're going to go back to the virus for sure. But I want to talk a little bit more about you because I know you did something with uh, Bessie that, that was really cool at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in 1992. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That was one of the highlights of my life, I would say. We were able to uh, take part in the big Greek gold exhibit in 1992 in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Therefore, since we already had access and some knowledge of ancient jewelry construction, we were demonstrating how to recreate these techniques. And we got to go to the boardroom on top of the Metropolitan Museum, which overlooks Central Park. And it was amazing. Oh, my God. I wish I could have been yeah. there. <laughs> and what about your working with the painter Keith Herring? Oh, I was so lucky. Since I was living in New York at a young age, I was bartending. I was cleaning houses. I was running errands for people. I came in contact with an artist through a friend of mine I met at a club. So this artist, he kind of took me under his wing. He saw that I was not moving in one direction. I hadn't graduated high school. I had gotten a GED. And he said, why don't you come and work for me? I have access to materials you may need. This may carry on into your art later on in your life. Oh my goodness. How long were you working with Kiss? I met him in 1987. And I worked with him up until almost the end of his life. 1990 is when he passed away. Mm. What an amazing experience. Very New Yorker. It was very New York. And at the time, you know, we were in the height of the AIDS crisis. It had definitely plateaued, but it was still there. My mother, in turn, was a nurse at New York Hospital, and she was caregiving for a lot of AIDS patients. Oh, my God. What amazing. Um, you know, in a way... Um, We have had many crises, you know, through the year and decades, but, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I saw a post the other day in um, Facebook of Instagram uh, where they say the kids are born in the 80s have gone through so many things that, you know, we that were born in the 60s or 70s have, have not yet. And yet here we are with this. Um, so, Nancy... Now, can you know you you start with you open your uh, first I think um, jewelry art studio uh, in Soho, and now you have moved that in 2014 to the Dumbo, Brooklyn. Um, how how has all this you know coronavirus quarantine affected you as an artist? You're not just an artist; you're an extremely um, you know, busy mother of a teenager son that should be at school and hanging out with his friends and I'm sure is at home. Um, you're a wife. You you were amazing founder of an all-female competitive cycling team 
called the radical media racing. So that can give us an idea to all the listeners how um, active physical you also are. How can you tell me what are you doing for copying? What how you know how is being being at home all this time and putting on hold all your you know projects? I would say first of all, I'm thankful that I live in a almost 900 square foot house. There's two bedrooms here and we have a common living room and kitchen area. We have uh, access to laundry in our apartment. We have a washer and dryer. So I feel much more fortunate than a lot of New Yorkers and families that I personally know from my son being in public school. So I'd say the biggest challenge right now would be scheduling the day and making sure you get to sleep on time. Sleep hygiene has been a big factor in my life since I was a child, and it's very pronounced now. Yeah. How, how, are you, how is your kid, um, how is Frankie managing all of this? Our son is great. He's 14. He's an active guy. He's a soccer player. He's a great student. He works hard. Uh, he had challenges when he was a bit younger, staying on task, but he's really coming to his own and he's really responsible for himself. So I would say the biggest challenge for parenting a student would be keeping them on task, making sure they get it for their attendance every day, which they do because my husband and I really work together in raising Frankie. It must be, you know, it's, um, I think this new generation somehow has managed to, um, you know, handle the situation even better than us because they were already used to kind of, you know, they have those video games that they do afar with other people, um, the FaceTiming that is much more, um, you know, um, natural for them than for us. Um, but still, you know, it's taken away practically the whole school year that I think. Yes. This is... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's been difficult. And, you know, I think a lot of kids, mine, of course, has anxiety about, am I going to pass? Am I going to be able to do this on my own? But they're finding ways to cope. Like you said, they have FaceTime. They talk to each other. You know, they look at each other. That's their form of socialization. So they're already used to that model where we're used to going out, touching, feeling, tasting. Already, you know, we're used to ha using our senses more. Where this generation, they're more, I don't want to say complacent, but they're used to this model. Absolutely. They're definitely more... Um, I think we were talking before how my six-year-old that I don't allow to really be much in touch with iPads or computer, he started doing his homework and schooling through the computer, and he already figured out things I had no idea I could do with a computer. And he's just been doing that for three weeks, you know? Yeah, it's very intuitive for them. I mean, I guess they see us, and they've seen us do that since birth. You know, as much as we try to keep them away from electronics, engage them in actual physical books, it's just part of, almost part of their DNA. Yeah, no, that's true. Now, tell me something. How is this affecting your relationship? Because I think we all have at one point, have thoughts on probably how to get rid of our partner. <laughs> yes. How I create a healthy is... distance without having a, 
uh, husband's uh, killing <laughs> moment. Having a streak. Yeah, I would say this has definitely been the most challenging thing. And in our household, because we are three, there's always a triangulation. Mm -hmm. So there's always two against one. One has a different opinion than the other two. So that's been hard. Um, we try to keep our distance. I think for sure going into the next week, we're going to put up a physical schedule because having a physical schedule, you know, my husband and I, he's also a cyclist, a competitive cyclist, and he's from Cuba. We have different backgrounds. We grew up with different belief systems. We have a lot of common things. You know, both of us come from divorced parents. Um, we have mothers who were a real driving force. Uh, we had fathers who were around, but maybe didn't have a handle on parenting. So we have really come together, but there's definitely things we're still trying to work out. And this is really, I'd say it's coming to a head in a way, not negatively, but it really shows people's true colors and what their strengths are. Yeah, you know, it's a very challenging um not just with, you know, your kids are your kids and not much that you can do about it. And you need to also be very conscious that they are, you know, in a very strange, so you're doing everything that we can do, no matter the age of our kids, to try to keep it somehow normal. Uh, but, you know, with your partner, you usually go, um, you know, you, you do show your true colors. And, and I have talked to friends and clients that you know unfortunately i pretty much waiting for this to be over to to break apart you know that with kids without kids and all the ones that were about in the age of breaking apart and this situation brought them back together so they are you know try trying to reconciliate somehow their relationship so it's it's very interesting how it works one way or another but we do need to for the sake of our family, really um, keep it together and find all the ways of mental um, evenness, like like you say, exercise or just yes, jump around. Yes, that's a big part for us. Um, I think for both of our emotional health, which I'm seeing more so now that we're together in the same house at the same time, uh, when before the crisis, can we call it a crisis? We can call it a crisis. Of course. Uh, before the... Before the crisis, uh, my husband would be out of the house at 5.45 in the morning, and I wouldn't see him until I got home in the evening. So we had very different schedules. Like, he would do his exercise in the evening. I would do my exercise in the morning. I would get our son off to school in the morning. He would do the pickup in the evening when our son was younger. So we both, you know, we contribute to the household. But I think the most critical piece of advice I would give anyone in any type of partnership with family, without partnership. Don't measure. Don't measure or try to balance on the scale who does more and who does less. That will chip away at the relationship very quickly. That's a very good um, advice that I actually caught myself doing and probably got the, the first, you know, we, we kind of kept it together. And we have two little kids that, you know, um, in top of all this, they're celebrating birthdays, um, with just the four of us that is, you know, traumatic and made me cry, but they are happy as long as they have some gifts and we make them a cake. It's amazing how uh, resilient they are. You know, we are more um, devastated, but by the whole situation, they don't care. 
but you know they're boys and they're young and they they get into each other's nerves and they start you know um, fighting and and that also caused friction between us and also you know Tim is still working from home and he's actually been very busy that is a good thing but at the same time I'm the one doing most of the cooking cleaning <laughs> organizing and I don't know about you but it drives me crazy. I don't think I have been in the kitchen for so long in my whole entire life, like in these three weeks. What about you? Yeah, I think it really brings us back to, uh, it, it could bring out the worst in us. So I think when you feel that moment coming on or just really be in the moment and say, you know what? Everyone around us is facing the same challenges. We all are in it together. Sounds corny, but it's really happening. I can look across at my neighbor. My son went to school. They live in the building across the street from us. I, we went to school with their kids. My son went to school with their kids. I can see them in the house, pacing, going back and forth. Who's in the kitchen? Who's in the bedroom? At seven o'clock every night, we open our windows and I may cry. We clap for the healthcare workers, for the guys who are doing deliveries. People are really risking their lives. So I really think it's a time to pause and just understand that we're all doing this same time. I'm cooking at home. You're cooking at home. I'm washing the floors. Think about the people that you had come clean their house, your own home. They're at home probably counting their last dollar just to pay the rent. I know. It's, it's really, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to cry too. <laughs> You know, we haven't, um, we live in a, in a different, we, we're not around, we're in brownstones in, in this street in Brooklyn. There are not many buildings. We do have a small building, maybe four floor walk-ups right across. And we haven't been doing the the um, the clapping until uh, yesterday. I think the day before I was working in in my videos or the podcast and, and my kids went down. But yesterday I was preparing dinner and, and Tim called them from downstairs. Come on, let's go outside and clap. And while they were doing that, I would just, I had to go to the bathroom and just, I cry like hysterical for like at least five minutes, put it together. Like nothing happened and keep going. And it's, you know, it's very emotional. It's, it is very emotional. I have uh, neighbors I never knew even lived across the street. You know, people are going up to their roofs. They're accessing things they didn't have before. People who have roofs and just never paid attention to them because it's a roof. Who wants to go up to the roof when I can go down to the street, go to Central Park, go to the West Side Highway, go to the gym? We all have to tap into those things, and we all have to be really thankful for those people who are out there risking their lives. These are mostly people who have maybe some of them are undocumented, they don't have bank accounts. They only rely on cash. Can you imagine if you had to do a cash exchange every time? People don't even want to take cash when you go into a store. Well, you know, talking about that, I was just thinking about the people that clean our homes or, or you know, a lot of, as you said, immigrants um, that do that kind of job that now they're at home with no income coming directly. Uh, we have, you know... A cleaning lady that helped us, I don't know, for the last five years that also helped a friend of mine and we had to tell her to stay home and and we are giving her her pay weekly because we can afford it, but a lot of people cannot. 
And, of course. And, you know, because we feel bad, the only way that she has of living is, is being cut off. Um, so I, I don't, I really don't know what those people are doing at this moment. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. And I know everyone is trying to help, but some people is like posting how they live in this huge mansions and how bored they are <laughs> when all the people are. Yeah. Trying. A lot of people, you know, they're, you know, I, I don't envy anyone else. I don't any, envy anyone's success because success comes in many forms. Um, I just find if you are going to your second home, be responsible, you know, donate some money where you can't donate time right now, donate money to food banks, um, donate money to people who are hand sewing masks, do something, you know, give to others and don't give to others and talk about it. Just give. Yeah. That's and if the, you have that's the highest form of being able to share your abundance, give without talking about it. And if you have time in your hands and you're bored, well, you know, they, if you have technology, if you have the means to to do so, try to figure it out who is close by you, who are the people that are affected the most, and try to to find a way of helping them. Um, there Listen, is... I have a friend who's a bike messenger, and he delivers all my high-value packages. And I know he's on the verge of homelessness. So not to talk about it just once or the amount or whatever, I sent him some money via PayPal because it's the thing to do. I don't even expect to thank you. Well, now, you that, know, you're, give- now that you're saying that, I would like to, you know, um, yeah, talk about that because it's, it's something that, you know, like our hairdressers, our um, cleaning lady, um, if you're lucky enough to have people that help you or that you know that are leaving um, of, you know, the day-to-day things that they do, uh, from doing your nails. That's another thing I've been thinking about all those women, all or men that are out there in the, um, uh, nail salons, uh, that once again, a lot of them are immigrants or, uh, people that have no other way of, you know, sustaining themselves, their families, sometimes families and people that live in a small apartment, they're like about six. Um, so if you can, and if you know, and you have contact with, people like that, that do your nail, your hair, your cleaning, your, you know, messengers, you know, um, we have, um, so many ways to do it now through, um, Venmo, uh, quick pay, um, just call them and ask them, do they have anyone that has an account that you can send some money? If you do have it, I think it's the right thing to do in this time. They're going to get back to you. It's really important. It's really important. And, you know, you just do it because it feels right. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. There should be no pressure in this moment. You know, I am also struggling with this creativity thing now. If you go on social media, everybody's being so creative. They're, they've become bakers. They've become chefs. They've become seamstresses and artists. I, for one, who am, I should say, a creative, an artist, a goldsmith, uh, a small business owner, a uh, sole proprietor, I have no desire right now. I think it's a struggle. I feel like I've gone into, I'd say, more survival mode. I really just want to stay close to home. I did check in on my studio because I work by myself in a building where there's no other people there. So I can access it. I drove over in our car. We went down the stairs from our apartment, went to the car across the street with masks on, drove in the car, went to the studio, made sure everything was in place. 
but I don't think there should be all this pressure to be creative. And I just find it unrealistic. I mean, everyone works in different ways, but don't feel the need to create a masterpiece right now, write a symphony. It's maybe not the right time. I think at this point you give it right in, right in the nail, girl. It's, it's just about surviving, keep it together. This is not the time to have a panic attack because you cannot go to the hospital. <laughs> um, just be what you want to do. Try to, even if it's just, maybe you were really busy. Maybe you are the one who woke up at 6 a.m. Go work out and then work all your way down to 10 p.m. Well, maybe this is time to take it slow. Um, write on a journal. Watch that movie that makes you, you know, laugh and forget for a little bit. Yeah. Something uplifting is what we need right now. You know, it could even be going through your clothing closet, finding things that you know you're not going to wear, take them out, put the things that are iffy aside, put them in a bag for three weeks, go through that bag again in three weeks, and you know you're not going to wear them, put them in the street or find somebody you know that is in a compromised situation. There's always something to give. There's always something to give. And also, you know, just... Take it easy. If you were too busy not to talk to your family or friends, this is the time, right? Yes, this is it. I also find that, um, you know, both I have no income right now and my husband has no income because he was laid off or managing. He was lucky enough to get onto the unemployment chain immediately when this happened. So we're just learning to live with less. We don't really need that much. We have to make sure not to let one thing spoil in our refrigerator. Please, people, make sure, go online, look for recipes using leftovers. Don't let anything go to waste. Nothing. Absolutely. We're, you know, we're doing the same in here. And, you know, sometimes a kid, especially when they're little, they complain, are we having this again? Yes, <laughs> because mommy makes it. We're having it again. We're having it again. And after that, you can have, I don't know, something else, a cookie or, or something to make you happy. But you had to eat what we got. No, it's no time to, to, to waste uh, anything, anything. No, even, you know, um, I take a bath without bubbles because I, I don't know. <laughs> um, it was hard to find, uh, what is it, um, body wash. So I do it with baking soda. Why not? Um, oh, good. But... Nancy, this has been so great to have you and, and, and to get, um, oh, you know, a pleasure. It, it's, it's so interesting. You say that I just had another uh, friend of mine that came, came here and say hi from us from far. She just went to take a walk with her little kid and her husband is an architect and she's a psychologist and he got laid off for the same reason. It's a small, um, company and they, you know, they said, okay, we have six months for, pay you guys part-time and um, if this doesn't come up we we won't be able to hire you back so it, it's a hard time we need to embrace what we have we need to keep it together and I'm so glad that you share with us all the things that you've been doing the experience of being in the middle of Manhattan next to all this you know sirens and 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 you know crisis and it is a crisis um And, and try to keep it together and, and keep your kid, your family, all working for uh, tomorrow, New York, and, and see what we can do to help it to get back to, you know, whatever it will be, right? Yes, I think we are forever changed, but it's amazing how adaptable humans are. 
one more thing I have to say. If you are an avid athlete or you like to train outside, especially cyclists in New York, please reconsider not riding outside. God forbid you have an accident. You don't want to take resources from a hospital of someone who's really ill. That's very important. No, I, I absolutely agree. Um, my kids were even going out um, in the scooter. You know, we go around the block, especially early or late in the evening when no one is around. Um, but I decide to just go walking because it's like, for God forbid, you guys are riding the scooter and anything happened, we can't go to the hospital right now. So um, thank you for your advice. Thank you for sharing um, such yes, a vulnerable indeed. time. And we keep talking, we keep in touch. And thank you for being, you know, um, part of just keeping together New York and the world at the moment as we're going all of us, this is a global, you know, situation. I love you and thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you, Nancy Monica, once again for being part of this conversation in our first episode of Let's Go Viral, a quarantine happy hour.